it's amazing I'm the reason Everybody fired up this evening I'm exhausted Barely breathing Holding on to what I believe in Hey there ladies and gentlemen Welcome into the Go Blue crew on Wolverine Sounds Head to iTunes, search Wolverine Sounds You can subscribe and listen to this show Listen to some other shows if you want to I'm your co-host Tyler Fenwick You can follow me on Twitter at Ty underscore Fenwick. I'm the co-editor of GBMWolverine.com. The other co-editor is Derek Devine. You can follow him on Twitter at Divine Identity, and he is the head guy over at TheBigHouseReport.com. And uh, another little tidbit about Derek, he is recently engaged. So congratulations, Derek. It's a big deal. I know I'm not engaged myself, but you know, I, I know some people have gotten engaged and they tell me it's a big deal and I trust it's the same for you. Uh, we unfortunately don't have time to talk about that today. What we do have time to talk about, though, is this incredible run that Michigan's been on in the NCAA tournament as though we didn't see it coming. I mean, there, there, there are some non-believers out there, but, but for the most part, you know, I think we kind of all saw this potential and the fact that uh, it's turned into reality is just incredible. So uh, just looking back on this weekend, I mean, what are, what are some of the big things that you took away from it? Well, I took away that this team is for real, and I know a lot of people maybe questioned if maybe if the momentum would carry over, or if the the level of play would carry over, or you had those that would doubt the the success of the Big Ten this year, and Michigan's going to struggle because the Big Ten really isn't that tough of a conference. But they showed uh, twice in in three days, or yeah, three days that they that they are for real, and now they're a legitimate contender. I would say at least for the Final Four. Um, definitely the Elite Eight, and uh, I think Michigan really showed that uh, they are a, they're a team that is is a lot different and a lot better than they were six weeks ago, and and definitely eight weeks ago. So we've seen a lot of a lot of fun things happen over the last let's say week and a half now. Uh, it's been it's been a pleasure to watch such fun basketball, and I think that they've really started to prove some people wrong, whether it's people within the conference, uh, rival schools, or just people in the nation and you've almost got a cinderella type story uh after the plane crash and uh and the, and the run through the big 10 tournament and now the the two games that they've won so far in the NCAA tournament so i look forward to another weekend of games and hopefully it is a full weekend of games for michigan hopefully they get to play uh in the, in the elite eight as well so when you look at the two games michigan's played one was incredibly high scoring if you loved offense this was the perfect game 92 91 over Oklahoma State, and then you have a good comeback over Louisville. That was a 73-69 win. Both games were spectacular in their own respects, obviously in different ways. So which one do you think was, uh, I don't I don't want to say more exciting because I think it lends itself naturally to Michigan-Oklahoma State, but which was just the better game to watch in your opinion? I'd say the better game to watch overall was probably the the Louisville game, I think because Michigan was the quote-unquote underdog. I know a lot of people talk about how the seeds were bad in the tournament and Michigan's playing uh, like a much better seed than they than they were given. But the Oklahoma State game was a good game. Can't take anything away from that. Obviously really exciting. It's insane to see two teams score over 90 points like that. Uh, obviously uh, Michigan uh, won that game. I did, did a little bit 
did enough to score just a little bit more than Oklahoma State. But whenever you have a team who can who can take down a number two seed, one that a lot of people thought had a chance to make it to the Final Four, I know a couple people actually picked them to uh, run all the way to the championship game. Uh, and then a little bit of revenge there with a, with a team you lost to in the national championship just a, just a few years ago. I think that if you put all that together, I think it makes the, the Michigan-Louisville game even more exciting, uh, but definitely a better win uh, and definitely a bigger headline than, than beating number 10 Oklahoma State. Yeah, I think I would agree with you because Michigan-Louisville, in my mind, solidified what it is that makes Michigan so dangerous because you have a game like Oklahoma State in the first round where they just bombard you with threes and, and they hit 11, I believe, in the second half. And then you have the game against Louisville where Rick Pitino jokes that he's getting ready to play the Golden State Warriors and Michigan gets, I believe, like 40 points in the paint and, and uh, Wagner has 26, uh, all but one of which came inside the arc. This was a game where Michigan showed that, you know, if you're going to if you're going to play us to not shoot threes, you know, if you're going to take that away from us, we're still going to beat you. I mean, we're still going to find a way. Wagner became, uh, you know, maybe the closest thing to a traditional big man that Michigan's had in a, in a long while against Louisville. So that was just so exciting to see that that you take one thing away from Michigan and it's like, you know, fine. Maybe that's our bread and butter, but you know, that's definitely not all we are. We are so much more than that. So that was that was awesome to see. I I really liked what they did against Louisville, and the fact that it was a come from behind win just made it even sweeter. Considering what happened in the national championship, as as you referenced, so that was that was probably the highlight of my weekend. Just watching Michigan do work in, in a different way against a really good and tall and athletic Louisville team. Yeah, in the Oklahoma State game, you had, uh, I guess, former coach now, Brad Underwood, who's who's off to Illinois. He was talking about how you run into so many problems when you face Michigan and try to defend them because Beeline's offense does such a great job of spacing. And, and he talked a lot about the shooters. Now, obviously, they hit, what, 11, 12, three-pointers in the, in the second half in that game alone. And so you have a comment like that, but then then you watch them play against Louisville, and, and and they did it in a very very different way, and you then you really have to respect a team. That's when Michigan becomes a legit contender because that three point shot wasn't there like it was in the Oklahoma State game. Yet between DJ Wilson and Mo Wagner, they found a way to get it done in the paint, uh, and those guys combined for uh, over forty points. I can't remember the exact points now, but. When they can do it in a in a different way, you really start to respect John Beeline, uh, the patience that he had with this group of athletes. Uh, I know a lot of people were, were questioning even him midway through the Big Ten season, but everything's really come full circle now, and we're watching some uh, really terrific offense, uh, a solid defense. They still have a little bit of trouble in the perimeter, uh, especially if they get into foul trouble, but this is a team that I think almost no one expected to see this year. Uh, but if you think long and hard, that team last year that could have beaten Notre Dame in the NCAA tournament and didn't, they had pieces that you could tell, okay, if these guys develop, most of these are guys are coming back. You lose a couple of guys to transfer that you're not all that worried about, and you just keep thinking of DJ Wilson and Mo Wagner can really kind of elevate to that, that next level of, of playing at the college level. Michigan's going to be all right. Well, they've absolutely done that. Now people are even talking NBA with them. 
And I think that that's why you see Michigan in the position it's in now. And that's why Michigan has a chance to definitely beat Oregon, if not even uh, give a team like Kansas if they were to make it past Purdue a run as well. So, <coughs> excuse me, Wagner's 26 points. Um, I, I didn't have stats in front of me. I only looked at the end of the game, found a stat sheet, looked at it, and I was surprised to see 26 points. I don't know if I wasn't paying close enough attention or what, but it it kind of, I mean, it surprised me to see 26 points. I don't know if it was like a quiet 26 points or the fact that most of it came inside the arc. I mean, am I crazy for not have seen that during the game? Uh. No, I think it's hard to keep track, especially. I mean, any time that I'm and I'm a fan at a game, uh, you don't have the you don't have Twitter to look at, which I feel like you learn almost anything you need to know on Twitter. Uh, so you can keep track uh, really well, either when it's we're tweeting about the game or uh, we're reading what other people are tweeting about the game. But I know that he right in the first half there, when when the game kind of turned around. He had three or four baskets on drives to the hoop, and uh, that that forced Bertino to call a timeout. And okay, how can we stop Wagner here? And then he came out and hit a three, uh, not long after that. And so he was burning you uh, at the rim, and then he was hitting a jump shot from outside. And the only three he made there, but right there, I mean, you you've already got you've got ten plus points right there, and that's a period of I would say it was maybe two to three minutes, uh, and he just it was every possession he was finding a way to to make a basket and he finished 11 for 14 overall so he didn't miss that much so points add up quickly but yeah I can imagine looking down especially with all the things going on in the position you were in at the game it's it's kind of a quiet 26 uh, and and I would say that you can over be overlooked very easily yeah because it's not like I wasn't seeing that Wagner was having a good game it was just like Oh wow, he had twenty six points. I didn't even realize that. But I, you know, I, th- I kind of thought I was crazy. I'm, I'm glad you brought that down a little bit. <clears throat> so, c- kind of going back to what I was mentioning about Michigan being such a versatile team offensively, <laughs> Louisville. Man, I can't imagine being a fan of the Cardinals on Sunday because you know they're switching every screen to take away that three point shot. But in the process, they're getting awful mismatches. And Michigan took advantage of them big time, especially with Wagner. Uh, Walton took advantage of him a couple times with his step back three in the second half. That was a that was a pretty big one set up by an unfavorable mismatch for Louisville. What do you think teams are going to try to do defensively? To you know, I guess DJ Wilson put it best when he said that teams are basically going to have to pick their poison against them, and I think that he's right. So. In your opinion, what poison are defenses going to pick going forward? Well, I think Oregon's going to have some trouble uh, defending the the bigs with a, with their big out. I think what you've got to look for is Michigan still historically with John Beeline in most of the season is a is a shooting team, and so I think it's going to be really important to defend the three point line uh, against Oklahoma State. They hit sixteen three pointers against Louisville. They only hit. Uh, six three-pointers so you hit 10 less that's 30 points difference I mean that's incredible Uh, that's why you see 90s one game 70s the next game but like we said they did it they did it from two and and they they finally got it going from inside the paint something that's really unusual so I think you still start at the three-point line because Michigan's still full of shooters including their big men 
But I think if you if you see Wagner having success or DJ Wilson having success from five, ten feet out, I think that's when you've got to kind of adjust within the game. Uh, I would be I would be shocked to see much zone against uh, a team that can shoot. Uh, then then you have man to man where you got a guy like Wagner. You're you're paying attention to him outside, and as soon as you pay attention to him outside, he can he can get to the rim. His his one dribble to the rim from the three point line is, is very impressive. That's what guys at the next level like about him. That's what the scouts are talking about. And I think you try to have a balanced defense, but I think you still have to focus on the shooters because what you can't give up in the, in the Sweet 16 is 10 threes to a team like Michigan. Do you think Louisville found anything with its pressure? I mean, I, I know late things got pretty interesting with, with Zach Irvin having trouble inbounding the ball, but up to that point, it, it wasn't that kind of pressure where they're trying to force a turnover. It was more of trying to make sure Michigan has something like 20 seconds instead of 25 seconds to run their offense and maybe just trying to be annoying, I guess. Do you think they found anything there? Absolutely. Uh, I think where Michigan lacks is uh, they don't have great ball handlers. Uh, Walton's a great ball handler. Um, I would say the next best ball handler is probably Xavier Simpson. Uh, Mar can dribble around. Zach Irvin can dribble around. We even saw DJ Wilson go the length of the floor there when, when there was some pressure. But they don't really have the, the, the dribbling guards uh, that a lot of teams do. So any type of pressure can get Michigan out of the rhythm. You saw late in the game the, the turnovers, uh, the traps that forced some timeouts. I remember another game where Derek Walton dribbled right into the corner uh, and got trapped. They don't make the best decisions moving the ball around when they're dribbling. Passing is where they can hurt you, and when they're so spread out, I think that once they can get past that press, if a team chooses to press, uh, that's when they can really kill you because once you break a press and you've got maybe three on two or four on three and there's a, there's a guy who can shoot a three-pointer like many of the Michigan players can wide open, that's when Michigan's going to kill you. So you press uh, maybe to half court, but you've got to be really careful because if Michigan breaks it once or twice and it hits an open shot, you won't see any team press against a, a team that can shoot like that. Just like in the zone, if you play a zone against Michigan, you might disrupt them inside and maybe uh, you eliminate Wilson and Wagner inside. But once Walton and Rockman and Irvin start hitting threes on you, you've got to break away from the zone as well. So I think the, a team like Oregon can throw it at them uh, maybe at different times during the game, but you can't press the whole game because eventually Eventually, Michigan's going to hit some shots. Okay, so through these two games, the clear MVPs have been Derek Walton Jr. against Oklahoma State and then Wagner against Louisville. But Zach Irvin, he's had uh, 16 and 11, and they've been a, a very efficient 16 and 11. Do you think we're not giving him enough credit for, for what he's done so far in the tournament just because of uh, Walton and Wagner kind of shining a really bright right bright light on themselves so far yeah i'd say so i think that he's i don't think he's going to now if he goes off for 30 or has a game where he can't miss uh, maybe he'll get some some recognition in the game against oregon it'd be great if he does it'd be awesome to see irvin be the guy that that leads michigan to the elite eight but i think the the biggest thing about irvin is he's still playing very very efficiently and we've talked about that all season against louisville he was five for nine uh, one for two on three pointers had had 11 points so definitely contributed uh, even if he he didn't have the numbers like wagner and wilson but he scored more than Derek walton Derek walton wasn't that big of a factor and took a lot of shots and missed a lot of shots so 
Irvin might have been a little more quiet uh, in terms of being talked about, but I think his play was just as important as Wallens, if not more important Wallens, in that in that game against Louisville. And then against Oklahoma State, uh, you have Irvin, who had 16 points, took a couple of more shots, but obviously made a couple of more shots. And, and Walton did have the, the, the best game in that one. So I think Irvin, right around that 10 to 15 points where he's, he's being efficient on the court, his usage rate uh, is right where it was at the end of the Big Ten season and through the Big Ten tournament. I think that's where he's best. And but you never know if he starts hit, if he starts hitting them, he could put up four, five, six three pointers, and and he could be the star uh, for the Wolverines in any given night. Yeah, I think Irvin's just been playing so well. He's and and it's not even the fact that he's hitting shots; is that it, I think he's been really smart with his offense and what he's trying to do because he drives the lane, he elevates for that that famous elbow jumper of his, and. He's getting some open looks from behind the arc and hitting a majority of them. He had a really nice step back. I think that was against Oklahoma State. Is that right? The step back three? Yep. That, yeah, that was that was very pretty. And uh, I don't think he's gotten a shot, uh, jump shot blocked this tournament. Do you recall that? Not that I can think of, and I and I for some reason I can't think of any air balls either, which was kind of a reoccurring yeah. theme. I hadn't even thought about that. The air balls thing too. Yeah, I mean it seems like uh, you know once once Michigan went to Indianapolis, man, they or I mean Irvin just kind of found it apparently, and he's been very efficient and I think very very smart about the the shots he's taking and and when he's taking those shots and whatnot. I mean it's just been. Uh, kind of a thing where we're looking at Wagner and Walton and giving them due praise, but then you know there's Zach Irvin and God DJ Wilson. I mean defensively too, and, and Irvin's been doing it defensively as well. But you know it just seems like like there's so many people that that have praise coming their way. We just we can't get past Wagner and Walton, and who could? I mean they've just been on fire. It's been so much fun to watch them go to work and and do huge things in the tournament. Yeah, he definitely deserves a lot of credit with the way he's been playing over the last. I mean, even in most of the, in most of the wins, uh, even the games where he where he had only a couple of baskets. But really, since the Big Ten tournament and on, uh, which is most important now, uh, he's playing his best basketball of the season. And I remember talking about I don't know if it was mid February or what, but we talked about when is. Zach Irvin and Derek Walton gonna uh, play their best basketball at the same time they seem to be doing so and it just happens to be that Wagner and Wilson are playing some of their best basketball this season as well so that's how you see a, a team like Michigan make the run that they have another thing that's really important to point out is they aren't turning the ball over against Oklahoma State they had four turnovers and against Louisville they only had six turnovers uh, and then they're and then they're winning the game of fouls too there are a couple of points in, in the Michigan-Louisville game where Michigan had a lot more than Louisville did ended up evening out. But when you're not turning the ball over and, you, and you're forcing more turnovers than you're giving up, you're playing smart basketball as a team. We talk about Zach Irvin playing smart, but I think the entire team is playing that bread and butter, butter John Beeline offense where they're taking care of the ball, they're not fouling, in a tournament where they've called a lot of ticky-tack fouls. Uh, and so I think those things are really important moving forward. If you if you don't turn the ball over five times in the first half and maybe only five or six times for the entire game, you keep yourself in a game. I still worry about a Michigan team being down 10, 15 points, even with the shooters they have. So if they can take care of the basketball from here on out, I think that it, that also gives them a big advantage and a 
eliminates the the points off a turnover for the opposing team. Yeah, I think they're they're averaging like nine on the season. Is that correct? Turnovers? Yeah, right right around nine. I mean, it floats it floated uh, above and under nine for most of the season, but as it's less than that in the tournament so far in the two games at least. Oh yeah, in these in these two games they have a total of ten. So I mean, they're they're just above their season per game average with these two games. So the last thing I think we we should talk about here regarding this last weekend is. DJ Wilson at the free throw line late in the game because he's, I mean, you know, before this, I would have said without a doubt, I want Derek Walton Jr. on the line with 10 seconds to go and Michigan's got to ice this game. But I mean, not that, not that I'm going to have anything against Walton being on the line, but I'm just as comfortable now with DJ Wilson. How do you feel? No, he's got a clutch gene, man. I was really nervous when he went back to the line for the second time to shoot two. Now he only again needed one uh, to keep it to be to be no worse than a tie. Uh, but when you hit when you hit four free throws at the end of the game, and then and again so in the Oklahoma State game, I mean that is big, and, and that's a guy where I think a team looks at. And I I, I wonder if a, in a game that's close against Oregon potentially, if Oregon overlooks that as well, but. He almost seems like the guy that you want to follow. They put him back there as an extra body to catch an inbound pass, and you almost celebrate because you're like, okay, I didn't, I didn't foul uh, Derek Walton, who's been who's been clutch all season. I fouled DJ Wilson, who's a big guy. He's not going to be as good of a free throw shooter, but he has proven uh, everybody wrong, and he's hit the most clutch free throws of the season. So I feel completely confident with him in that spot uh, at the end of the game. And I also feel as confident with Derek Walton still, but I would rather have either of those two guys fouled than, than a guy like uh, Rockman or, or uh, Zach Irvin, who have missed a couple of more throughout the end of the season here. Okay, so we can move on to look at this Michigan-Oregon game. I mean, I'm, I'm seeing an Oregon team that uh, is going to be physical. They're... Decent at worst on the offensive glass. That's something I, I worry about for Michigan. Uh, you know, what are you seeing here? I think this is going to be. Uh, I think it's going to be a great game. I think that the teams are uh, evenly matched. Maybe not in what they bring to the court, but I think that with with what they each bring, uh, that it will be a, a close game. I think that it will be. A, uh, a game that really comes down to who makes the the right decisions at the end and who can avoid the scoring droughts. So you've got a guy like like Tyler Dorsey who can really put up some points, uh, and then obviously Dylan Brooks, who's who's been a star for the Ducks a couple years in a row now. Uh, those guys are playmakers, even with some injuries that Oregon has. Uh, those guys can put up 20, 25, even 30 uh, on any given night. So I think you've got you've to keep pace on the offensive side, uh, but you've got to find guys to eliminate those guys. Luckily for Oregon, even though they have other players that can contribute, uh, I don't think anything is, is better uh, than what Michigan has. If you look just points per game, it's pretty even, evenly matched there. Uh, for each of the players on the starters and I think that I think that you've just got to look at a guy like Derek Walton uh, against Tyler Dorsey and I think you got to look at a, a guy like DJ Wilson maybe against a Dylan Brooks and I think that that's when a guy like Zach Irvin can really step up because who, when you eliminate Michigan's stars including Wagner uh, like we've talked about the ones that are being talked about at least I think this is where Zach Irvin can shine I expect a big game from Zach Irvin I think that if uh, Michigan's going to beat Oregon uh, it's going to be because he had another efficient game where he put up 12-15 points Dylan Brooks has been a very efficient shooter inside and outside the arc his two-pointers 
Uh, he's uh, shooting 54.8% three-pointers, uh, 41.3%. But against Rhode Island, he was very inefficient. 5 of 14 inside the arc, 2 of 6 from outside. What do you think Michigan has to do with him in order to make sure that if he's going to get his points, he's going to have to put up a lot of shots? I think you've got to make Oregon uncomfortable as a team. I think the reason you see Dylan Brooks less efficient, and I don't know if you were able to watch that game or not, but Rhode Some Island had had a I think a nine point lead even at one point in the second half, and so Oregon got into a little bit of a desperation mode for a second there, where they're taking any look they got, uh, and Dylan Brooks had a few moments with about ten minutes, eight minutes to go, where you could tell that he was trying to take over. Similar to the Zach Irvin hero ball, sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. And so Dylan Brooks becomes less efficient when he feels the need to take over for his team as the go-to guy. Now, if he is efficient, like I said, you've got Tyler Dorsey who adds another 13 points a game. Uh, and even though you lost uh, one of your key components there in scoring-wise, you have two, three other guys that score 10 a game. So I think to beat a team that's only lost five teams all season and what a lot of people consider to be a very good Pac-12, at least at the top this season, you've got to make the Ducks uncomfortable uh, and you've got to put them in a position where they're relying on Dylan Brooks to put them back in the game rather than spreading the wealth and, and scoring from all points of the floor. Is this another game where you think either – um. Uh, oh my god, DJ I couldn't think of anybody's name for a second Either DJ Wilson or Maurice Wagner Or both of them could uh, have a big game Absolutely, I think that I think both of them need to have a big game I, I think I told you this before the tournament started is, is Michigan's in a position where they can beat Almost any team, I think, in the tournament But the key is, is guys got to play good They don't have to have their best nights But they have to have efficient nights uh, you can't have a guy who can't hit from the f- floor. Uh, you can't have a guy who's turning it over or in foul trouble or giving up something on the defensive end. I think these guys don't need to have the best game of the tournament that they've had so far, uh, but I think a good game, obviously, is going to help. All right, I think we should end this thing with, with two predictions for Michigan-Oregon. First, who for Michigan do you think has the best game? Uh, I think that Derek Walton will have the best game against Oregon, uh, followed closely by Zach Irvin. And, and I think that a guy like Wagner and a Wilson can still get their 16 to 20 points, uh, but I think it will be a little bit quieter. I think that big game, when I think of it in the tournament, is a guy who can score, a guy that can defend, a guy who's making a difference all over on the floor, and especially in the big moments of a game. And and I think in a game, uh, in a close game potentially against Oregon, I think shots from Derek Walton and shots from Zach Irvin from deep uh, can really make them the most important in this game. So I'll go Derek Walton overall just because of the hero he's been lately, but uh, like we both said, I think Zach Irvin uh, has a chance to, to be a star in this one as well. I'm going to pick Walton, too, and I, I think it has a little something to do with the fact that he didn't have a great game against Louisville. Had some big shots, but overall just wasn't a great game. And because I think Oregon presents um, a similar challenge as did Oklahoma State in the in the sense that they've got some playmakers. And for whatever reason, Walton seems to play with, like with them, and they kind of you know they had some back and forth moments with Oklahoma State. I wouldn't be surprised to see the same sort of dynamic against Oregon, whether it's Dylan Brooks or Tyler Dorsey. I can see 
Walton getting into a little bit of a duel with them. I mean, after that, you know, you said Zach Irvin. I I have no idea. I I think it'd be really cool to see uh, Irvin do that, but you know, it all it also feels like uh, Wilson might explode and have himself a fantastic game. So my second prediction that I want from you is an obvious one. Pick a winner here. Who's going on to the Elite Eight? Now I've got Michigan uh, going on to the Elite Eight. I. I had Michigan in the Elite Eight in my original bracket, too. Uh, No matter who they faced, I think that Michigan uh, was an Elite Eight team with what I saw coming off of the tournament. I still believe that today, uh, and I feel even a little bit more confident just because they've proven, again, two games in a row that they're a tough team to beat. I think Louisville is a better team than Oregon, not just because they receded better, just because of what they bring to the floor and how dynamic they are athletically and can spread the floor as well. I think their defense is also a lot better than Oregon's is. So I've got Michigan in this game, and I, I don't think they'll win comfortably because it's the NCAA tournament, and uh, obviously a lot of the games are good ones, and any team can beat any team at this point. But I think Michigan is the better team right now, uh, and they're playing better than most teams right now. So I, I feel confident in saying that Michigan should win. You know, the, the coin I flipped to fill out my bracket had Duke making a second-round exit. And that same coin said that Michigan is going to go to the Final Four. Granted, it also said they would lose in the Final Four to the eventual national champions, Northern Kentucky. <laughs> but I, I, I think the coin is on to something here, and I think Michigan's going to advance to the Elite Eight and then eventually the Final Four. Um, whether the NCAA permits Northern Kentucky to come back, fill in a spot, and play Michigan in that game is to be determined, but but I think the coin knows what it's talking about, and and Michigan's going to beat Oregon. Does that sound? Um, does, do you agree with the coin? Is is the coin onto something here with I basically my whole bracket because it definitely did have Oregon making a second round exit. It's it's a pretty good coin. Yeah, I, I would say I would say so. You never never want to go against the coin when it comes to filling out the the old bracket. Definitely not. It was. Uh, my favorite quarter that I could find right away. So anyway, this has been the Go Blue Crew on Wolverine Sounds. Like I said earlier, you can head to iTunes and search Wolverine Sounds and subscribe, and you can listen to other episodes of this show, or you can find some other shows that you might like. Uh, we're, we're great people. We're fun and all that. I've been Tyler Fenwick. I will be Tyler Fenwick in the future as well, so you can follow me at Ty underscore Fenwick on Twitter. Derek Devine will continue to be Derek Devine, and you can follow him at Divine Identity. Man, one day we're going to be able to talk about your engagement. Today just wasn't the day. I'm sorry about that. But once again, thank you for listening. We uh, we hope Michigan makes a continued run in the Sweet 16 and then the Elite Eight. So until next time, go Blue. More life.